Welcome back to the Stick'em Up podcast. Rundi, what's been going on in the NHL recently? Um, you know what? It's kind of crazy because we, what, we recorded four, three days ago, four days ago, something like that. And yeah. in that time span, not a whole lot has happened, but what the things that have happened, I think we've got some pretty big stuff here to talk about. Yeah. For sure. Couple big milestones for some players, some teams. Uh, where do you want to start? Where, where where do we want to hop into this? Uh, let's start. Let's start out with the Kings, with the LA Kings' new record that they All right. broke. Uh, the LA Kings just breached their eleventh straight road game win to start the season, which is a new NHL record. So, the old record was. 10 straight road wins to start the season. Um, have you seen anywhere who had that record? No. Because I've only seen that that's the record. Nowhere is reporting on who has that. Yeah, no but, one said who, who had that record beforehand. Bro, if I had to guess the Canadians a long time ago. But yeah, yeah the Kings uh, have yet to lose a road game this season. 11 straight wins and that's that's crazy like that they're as yeah. good as they've been this year and <laughs> the away games are not an issue at all yeah and that that's not even the only um record the kings have set they i mean they've also set the record for having the grossest helmets in the history of the nhl like those silver chrome <laughs> ones are they're just they're gross like, they just look so bad. You're trying to watch the game, and it's just like, holy, it's... Like, it's a cool concept, but... Yeah. What, like, what, like I don't watch Kings games ever, really. Um, unless it's, like, the only game on. But even just watching highlights and seeing those helmets, I'm like... Like, it's just... Like, it, it may be the, cool if... Golden Knights ones. It's, yeah. I, I normally like that stuff. I really like the idea, but something about it just does not work to me. Like, it's one thing if it's like, you know, if they have a stadium series game or something and it, it's for that, like, that's one thing. Or if it's part of an alternate jersey or something. Yeah. But to just keep rolling with them, like, yeah, I, I just I'm, I'm not a fan of them. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's why they're winning, though. Maybe they're just blinding the other team and distracting them so much with them. And if that's the case, fair play, but. Wouldn't be the first time we've seen a team dominate when wearing a jersey. I mean, last year, the Sabres, every time they wore the old-fashioned uh, red and black jerseys, they oh, dominated yeah. last year. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I mean, that that's huge for the Kings, especially, like, yeah, you know, they like, uh, what is it now? Crypto.com Arena, not even yeah. a Staples Center anymore. Like, that's always kind of a tough building to play in. So you already know you've got massive home ice advantage when you're at home and to be able to do this on the road and especially rack up these wins on the road to start the season is is really setting themselves up uh, to be in a great spot down the line. You know, eventually, yeah. once they start to lose some on the road, having those road wins already stocked up will be huge for them. Yeah. Um, what else do we got here? Um Thomas Shabbat out uh, out at least one month uh, is what I've seen reported. At least one month with another injury. 
man, he is just, he just can't stay healthy. Yeah. That, that absolutely sucks. What is he now? Honestly, he's probably what their third defenseman, which is crazy to say. I definitely still think he's in the top two, but I've, I'm, you are not alone in, uh, in the thought of him being the third best defenseman on the team for sure. It's been going around. Yeah. But yeah, that's a huge loss. I mean, the Sens are already in a tough spot. I, I mean, at, at this point, like they're, you know, 10, 10 and 11 as of right now. It's, it's tough for them. Like this is a team that shouldn't be this bad. And to now lose a guy like Shabbat as well, like that really just, that hurts the team. You know, yeah. regardless of, I know people like to also say that he's now one of those guys that's kind of getting into that, you know, overpaid territory. But regardless of his contract, you know, the Senators are, are a better team with him on the ice. Like, yeah. And to be without him for at least a month, you know, potentially more, uh, that really hurts them when they're kind of in scramble mode and they need to start throwing some wins together soon here. Yeah, they they were one of the teams that really looked poised to make a push into the playoffs this year. And yeah, them being this far down is uh, pretty pretty rough for them, for sure. And and they just can't stay out of the the news. Like they're it's just constant headline after headline of mistakes within the organization or things they've been doing. Um, I don't know if you've heard. Did you hear the story about Michael Delzato with the Ottawa Senators I when he played there? I don't believe so. No. So um, Delzato was recently on another podcast, um, the Spit and Chicklets one, and he was talking about his time right. in Ottawa. And I, I remember this when it happened. Um, he got sent down to the minors, which at the time even I thought was kind of weird because I thought he was still, you know, playing decent hockey. I was like, it makes no sense for them to send him down when he's, you know, still playing. within their, their top Fine. six defensemen. Yeah. yeah. And so Delzato said he got sent to the minors because the organization wanted to wake the team up. And Delzato was then told at the end of the season uh, that he was the scapegoat because his teammates liked him so much. And so they decided to send him down to the minors to shake the team up and send a message to the rest of the players. Wow. So that's. Uh, and and this isn't crazy. the first, you know, time we've heard of stories coming out from the senators when players leave of, of how they were treated and whatnot. And it's, it just seems like the senators can't get out of their own way. Yeah, that's man, that's tough. That's I'm honestly surprised that they would tell him that afterwards either. Yeah, that, that he was he was just kind of the fall guy, unfortunately. And and especially like, you know, if he's a guy that's so liked and respected by all his teammates and a leader on the team, in, in what way does that help the team by being like, we're now going to take one of your leaders away and shove him down in the minors? It's like how how. I, I just don't understand the thought process of how that would 
would help the team in any way, but yeah, you don't try again. to shake up a team by doing that. That's yeah. That's just not like, gonna help any of the dudes perform better. It's not gonna help him. Like nothing about that is seems yeah. smart to me, but yeah. Anyways, enough with the enough with the senators. I'm sure I think at this point, I think they're especially in the division they're in. Um I think they're just falling a little too far out. Like it's it's gonna be a grind for them to get back That's into the hunt. To get back into a playoff spot for sure. Yeah. I, so I think that probably not happening this year but yeah the the team they got the young team they got they add another top prospect you know a top 10 pick that's just more firepower they don't have their first round pick oh they don't they don't have their first round pick so who uh (laughs) who has it well they, they had to forfeit it Oh right, it's just so yeah. It's just just gone. It's not. uh, Nobody's getting that. Oh, actually, um, okay. So they can forfeit their first round pick this year, next year, or the following year. Okay, so they they still have their first round pick technically. Okay, so they're probably going to do the one in three years, right? The but but again, you had you never know, right? Like you look at it. What was it they? used it, it was back when they had to make the decision between which year they were going to keep their first round pick and then um the the other one was going to Colorado and they decided to use their first round pick that first year to take Brady Kachuk and then they ended up sending that first to uh, the following year automatically went to Colorado which ended up also being a really high pick which they used to take Bone Byram so I think it really comes down to once the see like because I think they can decide when is it. I don't know if it's before or after the draft lottery, but I, I think for them it's going to come down to waiting to see where they end up and then looking at the players and being like, okay, do we take this guy now and then you know push yeah. back the inevitable or do we just bite the bullet and be like take our losses now and then. Because again, you know, they take a player this year and then, uh, you know, if, if they start to become a, a team that's contending, you don't really have the luxury of having first round picks to trade because, you know, you can't trade away a first round pick that could potentially be forfeited. Or if you do, then you're committing to the following year, you're for sure getting rid of it. So. I guess, but it's if, a tough spot for them. If they genuinely believe, and I think it's fair that they would, that they're going to get better, especially as a young team, everyone's improving, they're on the rise. It would make sense that their pick would probably be a playoff pick and outside the top 20 in three years. But how long have we been saying that? We've, like, people have been saying for a while, it's like, okay. A down year for Ottawa for again. That long with the Senators, and I definitely don't think things have looked like it. It's only started since since uh, they had got the new management a year and a half ago. Really, I think it was once they got like Stutzel and Kachuk, and and then they drafted Sanderson. I was like, okay, hey, they've now got all these pieces in place, and then it was like they go out and get Drew, and it's like, okay, now they're they're ready to go. They still don't get it done last year. It's like, okay, hey, now this is the year. And then they still don't get there. It's like it just keeps seeming like it's a 
team gets better, but it but it at the same time it's that whole division is getting better. And like the teams that Ottawa should be ahead of, like the the Buffalo, I think, um Detroit, like they're they're still behind them. And Buffalo and Detroit are only getting better now. But Ottawa does have Detroit's first round pick from the Debrinka trade, which does help them and might kind of soften the blow if they decide to forfeit their first this year, because then at least they still know that they they have another first from Detroit um, in their back pocket there. That's true. So maybe this year would be the best to go, and then you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it really just comes down to where their, their pick ends up and then looking at the players and being like, is this guy what we really want, or do we just say, you know what? No. We'll give up our first round pick, and then we we know what our future looks like now with having our other two firsts. Yeah, so they got are some you, tough are decisions. Are they picking a guy because he's one of the best things available at the time, or are you picking a guy that you really like in the draft and want to have on your team? Yeah, that could definitely be the difference. Yeah. Um. But anyways, aside from Ottawa, what do we got next? Ovi, Alex Ovi. Ovechkin reached fifteen hundred points. Uh, was that earlier today? Yeah, yeah. Didn't think it was going to take him this long into the season to get there. No, definitely not. He uh, he has been Maybe. he's been slow this year. He's got five least. goals, nine assists for fourteen points in twenty two games, tied for. The team lead with John Carlson. One he, power play goal. He's on pace for like a 20 goal a year. Not even anymore. Like he. Yep. This is uh, this is why chasing down those all time records is so hard, because even the great eight, eventually your body starts giving out on you. It gets harder and harder. The game's getting faster now. But guess Goal's what? He's got huge equipment. It's it's hard to score those goals. Crosby's on pace for his best goal scoring season, though. True. How crazy is that? That at their age, like Ovi's now having by far the worst season of his career, and Sidney Crosby could potentially maybe not his best season as a whole, but his best goal scoring season. Especially when the Penguins power play sucks. And Crosby's getting it done all five on five. He's he's right up there for the league lead in five on five points. If they can get even a semi decent uh, power play going, he'll he'll have a phenomenal year. Yeah, like he'll put up another hundred point year if that happens. So, like I I still think I still think Ovi does end up breaking Gretzky's goal record. Like I see people already being like, I okay, think he's so. not doing it. Like. It, it, I think he still does, and I he think he wants to break it, and that means he will, unless yeah. he's unless he regresses to the point where he's so bad he cannot score, which I don't see happening, and he's a liability out there every shift. Then probably Washington, but even if not, other teams will gladly take him while he breaks the all-time goal record just for the publicity alone. So yeah, he's. He's got contracts if he wants them till he's 50 years old. Like, as long as he's willing to do it, it, he'll keep putting himself out there. 
even if he slows down to the point where the last 50 goals are painful to watch. I think yeah. it's it's going to take hell or high water to stop him from getting it. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. He's not he's not going to go. Uh, I had a down year and I just I just feel like I don't deserve it anymore. And he's not going to retire at the end of this year. Like Yeah. That's yeah, not, it's it's that's not, not a matter of it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, still 1,500 career points is incredible. He's, uh, what what is he, the 16th? Yeah, 16th player in NHL history yeah. um, to do so. So props to, to Ovi. I don't know if you want to throw him a little clap or not, now that we figured out how to do that. I was, I was going to, but I wasn't <laughs> sure. Yeah, give it a go. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We found a little soundboard thing here on Discord. <laughs> this, is, this is sick. Hey, it works, though. Um, but yeah, no, um, congrats to OV again, Washington's a tough team to in a tough spot right now, but I think at this point, they kind of know where they're at, you know, where they're going to be. And really, you know, OV breaking the goal record is, is kind of the only thing Washington has to look forward to. <laughs> oh, I totally forgot that was one of them. <laughs> uh, don't worry, we only have six sounds, so it'll get old pretty quick. No, that'll never get old, especially once we get some more uh, cooked up in in the future. Now that we know how to, yeah. Um, what do we got next here? We got Simon Nemich earlier got his first NHL goal. I just watched a video like five minutes ago like five minutes before we started recording i mean it great hockey iq as a defenseman to know to get down into the slot when the whole play was being pulled to the side nice one-timer like dude looks yeah. good and i mean he's a second overall pick so we figured he would be but geez luke hughes and simon nemich on the blue line that that is gonna be nasty in a few years yeah the this... only thing I'll say, I will say this about New Jersey, though. Sure. With those two guys, they need to bring in another, a different um, veteran presence to help teach those two. Because I think with two players like that, um, especially just of, of what they can become as players, I just don't think Dougie Hamilton is the right guy just on the premise alone of like, I think you want a more and not to say Dougie Hamilton's a, a bad, you know, a bad dude, a bad player, nothing, but I think you just want a more, I, I, cause I think a more two yeah, defenseman. Yeah. I think you want a guy that can teach them, um, it, almost very similar to what they were doing, um, uh, on long Island for the longest time. When they're bringing up guys like, you know, Dobson and Ryan Pollock and, and Adam Pellick, you know, they had guys like Johnny Boychuk, uh, Dennis Seidenberg, kind of those veterans who, you know, maybe and maybe those guys weren't as good offensively per se, but having those guys that can teach those those guys of, okay, yeah, scoring points and whatnot is good, but you also gotta be responsible in your own end because you can't be going out there and putting up you know, two points every night on the blue line, but you're also out there when the other team's scoring. Being a minus one. Two goals. Yeah. Exactly. 
Yeah, you want so, you want these guys to develop into, you know, Victor Hedman type defensemen instead of both of them being John Carlson defensemen. Yeah. You know, not to say John Carlson is bad by any stretch, but he is uh he is renowned for his offensive production and he's almost as renowned for how poorly he's played defensively over the years. And yeah. if you have two guys who are playing that style, uh, and each one's playing 20, 23, 24, 25 minutes a night, that's that's leaving yourself open to a lot of defensive blunders. Yeah. And you can, if you're, if they're really good and they have that talent, they can put up those numbers while still being responsible defensively, you know? Yeah. Guys like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr putting up insane point production this year, both of them are playing pretty good defensively. Yeah. Like, and I think that's why it's kind of those two are like really the only two names even being mentioned right now for the Norris is because the points they're putting up is insane, but like they're also holding it down in their own end, which you don't see very often from guys putting up points like that where they're, you know, holding down the fort in their own end and can be relied on defensively and, and in key moments. Like I love Eric Carlson. But even last year at the points he's putting up, you know, when the Sharks had a lead um, in the final minute or two, Carlson wasn't really on the ice, you know, uh, trying to lock it down and prevent the other team from scoring. He spent a good majority on the bench, whereas now, you know, you look at Hughes and McCart, they're they're out there in those those dying minutes uh, trying to prevent the other team from scoring. And when you have a guy that's doing that, it's... Like that's the most valuable asset you can have in hockey. I feel like it, it. It's a huge part of a game. There's two ways to do it, and that's why you call them a two way forward. Each one is fifty percent of the game. Keeping the puck out of your net, putting it in their net. So yeah, you you got to be able to do both. At Four least checks, back check, paycheck. There you go. Um, um, yeah, no. Congrats to Simon Nemich. I think he's got a phenomenal career ahead of him um, with with the Devils. Yeah. There we go. Um, I didn't have too much else other than the uh, current point leaders, which I'll go over very quickly whenever you... Uh, yeah, no, give her. You want me to do that? Yeah, um, give her. Uh, I figured you what you'd want to uh, talk about the San Jose game. Oh, we'll save that till the end. Oh, we're saving that right till the end. I, I also have another thing that I'll I want to add on after. But you can do the the points now. Now that the final games of tonight have, have all wrapped up. All right. I uh, I did not have the tab pre pulled up. For some reason, uh, ESPN's website sucks. There it is. All right, uh, we got uh, for the overall points leaders, we got Nikita Kucherov in first with 44 points already. Uh, in second, JT Miller with 39, and Artemi Panarin in third with 37. So uh, the, the defensemen are falling off a little bit, which, I mean, rightfully so. You kind of expected guys are, to happen. All these guys up here are scoring at like a point and a half per game or more. Like they're all playing incredibly well. Yeah. Um, for league leading goals, Brock Besser in first with 18, and then Nikita Kucherov and Sam Reinhardt both tied at 17 each. 
Um, good Lord, Artemi Panarin's got 16. He is yeah. uh, usually known for passing, so I just didn't expect to see him there. Um, we were just the other uh, last podcast talking about how it was Makar and Hughes tied for plus-minus lead. Well, now it's uh, Makar, Hughes, and Barkov all tied at 18. Yeah. For a plus-minus lead, so... Not only that, right underneath uh, Sam Reinhardt and Gustav Forsling, who's really taken a big step in, in the absence. I mean, not the absence anymore, um, but at the time when, when Montour and Ekblad were, were out. Yeah, he really stepped it up for him. Also, I just want to throw out there, Eric Carlson's a plus 12 right now. So I don't want to hear any more slander if he doesn't play defense. Yeah. Like I said, the five on five, Penguins are doing very well. Our play uh, just sucks. Yeah. Uh, goals against average. In first, we got Aiden Hill with 1.87, Cam Talbot with 1.96 in second, and in third, Jeremy Swayman with a 2.08. And then for save percentage, same names here Aiden Hill, 935. Jeremy Swayman, a 932, and Cam Talbot at a 930. Uh, also at a 930, Connor Ingram. Yeah. What was it? I think in the last... I read a stat. It was over the last 12 months of NHL hockey. I think it was like... I can't remember what the minimum amount of games played was, but Connor Ingram's got the best save percentage out of any goalie in the league. Wow. He's playing on Arizona, too. Good for him. Yeah. And I mean, if that includes last season's games, where did he play last year? Was he in Nashville? No, he was with the, the Coyotes last year. Oh, he was. Jeez. Um, and then for wins, we got uh, Gorgiev with 14. And then both in second place, we got Bobrovsky and Demko with 12. Yeah, no surprises on that one. Nope, not really. Um, Yeah. That's all, that's all I got for the... That's the leaders? leaders? Right on, now we can get into the good stuff here. Unless you, unless we you can feel get... like looking at some of the team team things. Do they have penalty kill percentage? Nope, just power play percentage. Wow. Never mind, uh, nobody cares about defense. Don't play a two-way game. Yeah, no, fuck defense. Goals, only, goals are the only thing that matters. That's all we care about here. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, we got to talk about it now. Because this is insane. I I was uh I was off streaming the game awards. So I I did not get to see this or Tampa Bay get beat up by the Predators tonight. Okay, but, if you uh, didn't watch the Tampa Bay game, we got to talk about what happened first then. Cuz I don't think it was intentional. But what a fucking stupid play from Austin Watson, taking on his former team, uh, the Nashville Predators. I don't... Did you see what Austin nope. Watson did at the end of the game? I don't... I have not seen a single clip or highlight or anything from the game. So, with... Is this something I should uh, search up and see right now? Uh, you can. So, halfway through the third period, Tampa Bay is already losing. Uh, Austin Watson got a five-minute major for fighting as he fought Cole Smith, but there was no... Um, there's no instigator, so both players remained in the game. But right at the end of the game, as the clock's hitting zero, 
Austin Watson is coming out of Tampa Bay's end, kind of just crosses the blue line. He just winds up for a slap shot and just takes a big clapper right at, uh, I think it was Lazan on Nashville and just nailed him with the puck. And then obviously a big, big scrum ensues. And I mean, like we've seen it before. We see guys do it, you know, when the clock's kind of run into to zero, guys take a slap shot and try and put something on net. But it's like, you're down 5-1. And you just come out of your own end and just take a slap or when a, a Nashville player's right in front of you. It's like, it's like, what are you doing, man? I, I And you can make the argument yeah. it was unintentional. I can even see that it, it could be unintentional. Like, I get the, the reasoning behind doing it. But again, it's just... It's five one. There's no no need to be doing that. You could have just skated with the puck or just like flipped it in. Or most times when you see teams lose, and they'll just hold it in their own end and pass it to the defense, and they'll just stand there and let the clock hit zero, and they're done. Yeah. Um. So he ended up getting a, a ten minute misconduct at the end and a two minute unsportsmanlike. Yeah. What's I yeah. Uh, with, I just have no words for that. What's the extra two minutes uh, on Sportsman like going to do? Yeah, I just, I can't fathom what was going through his head when he was doing it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm just going to watch it here, if you don't mind. Oh, yeah, give her. Because I, uh, that's rough. Austin Watson's been good for us. I mean, obviously, he's a, you know, he's an aggressive guy. He's a fighter. He's a guy with a. He's a head case. Yeah. He's yeah, you you know what you're getting out of him on a nightly basis, pretty much to say the least. But yeah, when I first watched, I was just like, okay. I was like, wow, that's okay. I mean, like it's really hard to say that like it's better than I thought it would be, because like yeah. at least at least the dude was literally in between him and the net. Because mm-hmm. like if you it would uh, I mean uh, it's horrible either way but at least he didn't like turn and do it to him along the boards or something where like yeah there's literally no play to be made but yeah, yeah. that's still pretty tough yeah yeah so I don't I don't know if I don't even think you can like again I think it's just it's I don't think any like you know suspension or. Or anything comes to it just because you like again, you can't prove that it was intentional because it's a play we see happen numerous times. And I don't think you can you know, you can maybe give him a, a fine, but I don't think you can suspend him and be like um making up intentions that you have no way of proving type of thing, you know? Yeah. And uh I'm just I'm just uh, reading here that it uh, it sounds like um, Watson. Uh, <laughs> it says it says Watson attempted to visit Luzon after the game to see if he was okay. So I wonder if uh, you know Nashville, whoever, security guards, other players, somebody stopped him. But it sounds like he was going over to try and check to make sure uh, Luzon was okay. So. I mean, to be fair, like if I was Lazan and I heard he was coming, I would just be like, no, I'd be like, I don't even, I wouldn't even care to yeah, give him the time of day. I'd be like, you know what? Screw him if like, yeah, but all these, you know, NHL players like kind of have e- each other's numbers and whatnot. And Watson played with a couple of guys who are still in the Predators. So like, 
I, I feel like even if he wasn't able to go see him, I feel like he's still going to reach out and just send him a message, even if Lazan doesn't yeah. care to read it or reply. I, I feel like Watson's probably still going to reach out and just be like, hey, man, you know what? I'm looking back at it now, and what a prick play that was by me. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be able to realize when you make a stupid mistake like that. Yeah. Um, and again, I I just shout I don't out to think Tyler Mott for going and checking on him. Yeah. Once he went down, and and he was able to get up and you know kind of get off the ice, so it wasn't like he was. I'm just glad it wasn't like a. Yeah. I think it kind of hit him in the leg. I was gonna say more it so like it looked it, like. It, a lot of places are reporting midsection, but it really looked like it hit him in the shin to me. But he did look just like he it was wasn't up high. So it's, yeah. Because if it was up high, like, honestly, you got can't a whole even tell how much situation. it genuinely hurt him because the way he slams his stick after he like gets up onto one knee, it just looks like he's more pissed off than hurt, almost. Yeah, and but it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, you know, you can't go up and fight Austin Watson because he'll probably pummel you into the ground. Like, yeah. If he's just even get an to him animal at that point, by the time he stood up, both benches were completely over there. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, uh, that's a tough look for sure. Uh, <laughs> sounds like I uh, picked a good game to miss. Honestly, you picked a bad game to miss because the comeback kids are on a roll right now. Um, yes, that being what quickly, which is very weird now, and I hate it with how many people are now like acting obsessed over the San Jose Sharks. And I'm like, shut up. These are all the same people that were clowning on them and dunking on them when they lost their first 11 games, which by the way, since the beginning of the season, when they started 0 10 and one, the Sharks are now eight, seven and one since then. No team stays bad long enough to beat how bad the capitals were in the expansion era. Yeah. yeah, like no team's gonna stay in the NHL for 82 games and be that bad. Like, like when when they were 11 one, people were like, they're like, oh, they're not getting past six or seven wins. They're they're at 27 games now. They have eight wins. Yeah, they're not even bottom of the league. They're yeah. they're 31st. Chicago's now at the bottom. So, um, but I mean, not even the game like the game against Detroit tonight. Insane, but even the game before that, um, against the Islanders, like down 4 1 in the third period, um, they're playing with heart, man. Like, yeah, it, it's so good, it's so good to see. Like, they were down th- uh, 4 1 to the Islanders, the Islanders had two great scoring chances, couldn't bury them, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, it's just like, I mean, not as quickly as it was in the Detroit game, but it was like bing, 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 tie game. Eklund wins it in overtime, and then tonight, I mean, it just seemed like nothing could go right for the Sharks all of a sudden. Um, in you know, the first period was was a was a good back and forth period. It's like, okay, this is a this is going to be a good uh, competitive game. Um, which this was also Patrick Kane's first game uh, with the Detroit Red Wings as well. How did he do? Um, he was okay. He he had a great opportunity to score a goal and hit the post, but other than that, nothing um, too too special from him. But again, it's his first game in, in how long, so probably shaking off a bit of the rust. Um, but then, you, I mean, I mean, it's still kind of a good back and forth game, and 
the second period and then Detroit scores, Clem Costin's like, okay, that's one. And then all of a sudden in the span of like, yeah, like 50 seconds, it's just boom, boom, boom. Detroit just rattles three in and then all of a sudden it's four, nothing. And it's like, holy shit. And then I can't remember what exactly it was that happened. Um, but Vlasic took a penalty. He got an unsportsman like after Detroit had scored their fourth goal. So it's like Detroit makes it four nothing very quickly. And then it's like, shit, now San Jose is going on the penalty kill. And then in the span of like 35 seconds, uh, the Sharks get two shorthanded goals. And it's like, okay, they've got some life in this game now. That's pretty rare. You see a team score two shorthanded goals on on the same penalty kill. Yeah. And then right after the penalty ends, I think it was like 10 seconds after Vlasic got out of the box, uh, the Sharks score again. It's like, okay, it's 4-3 now. And then Nico Sturm ties the game 4-4 with like right near the end of the second period. And it was just an, an incredible... Um, <laughs> That's one of those games that you want to be so badly in in the arena for like my f- game games like this is what that those vr the advancements they're doing with vr where like you can put yourself in the arena and see people's reactions that's yeah. when it's going to be awesome if you can do it with a game that's going absolutely ham like this one was well and, and the best thing was is i mean the sharks you know they do that so naturally the the broadcast is is going to go and find all the Sharks fans in in Detroit's arena there and, and show their reactions. My favorite one was these two Sharks fans were, and I think it, it was a group of three. I think it was two Sharks fans with a Detroit fan. And the two Sharks fans are obviously losing their mind. And even the Detroit fan was just, he was laughing his ass off, just like, and, and I don't yeah. know if he was, if it was just, he was stunned, but it was just like, even he was like, holy, like what a period we're witnessing. And then in the third period, uh, a little bit over halfway through, Dylan Larkin scores. And then again, uh, Hurdle ties it with about a minute and a half left. And then Granlin ends it pretty uh, pretty quickly into overtime. And, and, and that's two huge uh, back-to-back you know, wins on the road that come from huge comebacks, like a three-goal deficit against the Islanders and then come back from a four-goal deficit against the Red Wings. Like, that's... There, it, it's just nuts. Yeah, it's absolutely wild, and it's it's just especially how much people were clowning on them at the start of the year. It's so fun to see them going out there on the road against a lot of teams that are doing really well in the standings right now. They're going out there, they're giving them their all. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's in, it really goes to show that like effort will beat skill if the skill isn't trying. Like yeah. they. The talent difference on New Jersey and on the Rangers compared to San Jose at the moment is a lot. And the fact that they've been so close and in the New Jersey case won, uh, like if if you're out there busting your ass, you can beat anybody. And even some we talked about, we, we were talking about um, not last episode, but the one before we were talking about Hurdle, how he... Um, had uh, what was it again? Kidney stones, and he got surgery yeah. for him. 
and then was able to come back three days later. In his last two games, he put up a hat trick against the Islanders. He had eight shots on goal. And then tonight against Detroit, he had two goals. He had nine shots on goal. So he has just been an absolute machine uh, these last two games, especially coming off off something like that. Um, But this is the funny thing. So not including Detroit's first goal in the second period and um, not including San Jose's last goal in the second period, just the six goals in the middle. There were six goals scored in three minutes and one second. Guess what the N. Guess what the NHL record is for fastest six goals just combined between two teams in a game. I mean, it's got. It had to have been at least like five minutes, right? Like at least or closed. So I'll repeat this again. In tonight's game, the six goals were scored in three minutes and one second. The NHL record is three minutes, and that's it. They were one second off from tying the record. Oh, literally really one okay. second. Yeah, which like, that's do you happen to know when crazy. when that was made? Yeah, I um, it was between the Quebec Nordiques and Washington on February twenty second, nineteen eighty one. Okay. I was wondering if it was before the rule change where if you score on the power play, you lose the power play. Like, I was wondering if it was, like, the the 40s Canadians and they just scored six goals on a single power play or something. Oh, yeah. But, like, that's One just step. crazy how, you know, and, and, like, you could arguably call these last two games probably two of the biggest comebacks in the NHL this season. And this is a team that, again, everybody was just writing off and, uh, you know, saying, oh, they might actually very well be the worst team in NHL history. And they're they're just on a roll right now. So still, I mean, going to be a bottom team in the league. Like, let's not get crazy and act like they're, they're going on a St. Louis run here. Um, no. But the fact that this team can do that and... Well, it just speaks volumes to how much the guys in that locker room still believe and are still going to keep playing for each other every night. Yeah, and if they can get this ep- the effort out of these guys now and like kind of build up some build up some trade value on a couple of them, like yeah, they could be in a they could be in a nice spot. This is the last thing I'll say on it because I just love adding to it as it keeps growing. So again, going back to how the San Jose Sharks only had six goals in their first 10 road games. They now have 22 goals in their last four road games. <laughs> that's wild. That's like, that's like five and a half a game. Yeah. Since then. So, I mean, good on them. Like that's just, it's a good turnaround. And I think that's just huge for the guys in that locker room to, and you know what? They just pulled off two great comebacks, and their next game is against Vegas. So don't be surprised if we see a third one, because we've seen it before. We've seen it before. I would love nothing more than to see that. <laughs> I tell you what. Yeah, probably not. But hey, you know what? You never know. You never know. I'm So 
Obviously, Tampa Bay has been there before, but I didn't pay cl- the near as close attention when they were at this point, when, when we got Stamkos, when we got Hedman. I'm genuinely curious, because now that they're winning to the point where they are out of 32nd, they are no longer the worst team in the NHL by points, is con- as far as points are concerned. Uh, at what point are you, do you kind of start going like, like maybe maybe they can lose this one. Like, is is there any of that? I'm genuinely very curious. Not right now, just because I've been very kind of clear on it since the beginning. I like I still think Chicago finishes bottom of the league, um, especially now that you know, basically the two big pieces they brought in to help Bedard be in Hall and Perry are are not with the team anymore. Like. I mean, yeah. Hall's with the team, but he's injured for the year. Perry's gone. I I, I think Chicago's still going to end up bottom of the league. Um, I really hope they don't get another first overall pick. But I, I, I said since the beginning, I said, you know what? Both teams are bad, but Chicago is way worse. So. Interesting. I, yeah. Like, and you it, know, they've... They, unlike the Sharks, they've a lot more actively uh, kind of butchered their team. They kind of, you know, yeah. trading away a lot of their their really good young guys. They really made sure that they dropped down for Bedard. So, um, yeah, yeah, they really kind of set themselves sense. back. Like, like, could you imagine if they still? I mean, I I don't know if they would have gotten. But dark, but like if they had guys still like, you know, Kirby Doc was a third overall pick that they just dumped off. Debrinkit was a one of their best young players. He could have been a forty goal guy every year. They dumped him off. And now it's like, yeah, Badar just he doesn't have yeah, like he's a, guy he's like a great Eagle. player, but yeah. And again, it's just they just don't have anyone to play with Bedard really. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they had some of that high-end talent, and yeah, they just kind of uh, let it all go. And some it of them they got a decent t- haul. Some of them they really didn't. So yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting tactic. But I mean, they got Bedard, so they got plenty of time to uh, start the rebuild around that. Mm-hmm. But like, it's it's crazy when you look at it now. Like, the Sharks are only two points back of Anaheim, only three points back of Edmonton. Four back of Seattle and Minnesota, like they're starting to get up into that. So, you know, it'll be interesting in a week or two, it and and seeing how it plays out and where where they're at compared to these other teams now. It's it, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, but I do think, like, again, I don't think the Sharks are going on a St. Louis Blues run. I think they're still going to be a bottom team in the league. Um, but I think this is just great for the players where, you know, you could just see it in all their faces and the way they were reacting to the media and whatnot when it's like, you just lost 11 games in a row to start the season. What do you do? And they're all, and no one even had an answer. And yeah. to see just the excitement and energy amongst players now that, you know, things are starting to go right and they're actually starting to to just score goals in general because they were averaging less than a goal or they were averaging one goal four per game through their first 11 in total. Yeah. And to be not only um, scored goals like this, but to be doing it when you're, you're losing by so much. 
Like when you're down three goals, two goals, four goals, and you're able to keep scoring goals and fighting and clawing back to get into games. Like in this NHL, it's so tough to play from behind on a nightly basis. And the fact that multiple games in a row now, they're able to fight back from even the Rangers game. They almost made a, a late um, a late comeback. Yeah, they got like, within one. To be doing it consistently like this has got to be such a huge confidence booster for for everyone on that team, even the coaches, even the GM. Yeah, I I definitely agree. Like that's that's got to feel good for the GM and the coach, especially. You know, I don't know how much they uh, looked like their their jobs might be in a little bit of trouble, but because you know they're both relatively new, but. Oh, yeah, Mike, Mike Greer's. Like, if you go, if you go winless, forever. I mean, even if you're, you know, you're going to be a bottoming team. I mean, if they went like two and thirty, they'd probably start looking at getting rid of the new GM. Yeah. So, to to string uh, together the games that they have recently is definitely got to feel good, top to bottom in the organization. Yeah, and this is also all, all without Couture. Still remember. Yeah. Who don't? It sounds like he's skating, but who knows when he's returning? But yeah, you know, not get our hopes up until uh, probably their their second biggest offensive weapon aside from Hurdle out, and they're they're starting to throw this together. Like, yeah. Um. Um, Yeah, that was kind of the last thing I had. My stuff that I. Yeah. uh, Yeah, like we said, we we did an earlier episode this week so we kind of knew that we weren't going to have as much um to discuss with this one but that's fine we still got a decent amount thrown in there and there's a lot of games going on this weekend so come next week i'm sure we're going to have no shortage of things to talk about yeah nhl is uh getting getting pretty interesting right about now so yeah well thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of the stick em up podcast um, as always, again, you can always find us on our socials over on Instagram and Twitter slash X at SEU Hockey. Um, gotten a little bit more active on the Twitter, not as much on the Instagram, but again, it's starting to roll. Um, so feel free to uh, throw out a follow, um, you know, send a message, comment, uh, whatever. Again, let us know what you want us to talk about, and we will. Um, you got anything to add here before we, we hop out? Uh, no, I think, I think I'm good other than, you know, we got some, we got some cool stuff coming, uh, later in December, perhaps early January, but I think it'll be good for December. Um, so stay tuned for all that good stuff. Right on, right on. Well, yeah. Thanks everybody for listening and we will catch you guys in the next one.